Go ahead and pick your speed up your number one now, runway 27, clear to land green dot. Welcome to Oshkosh, guys. Hello, and welcome to the Green Dot, EAA's podcast for anyone and everyone who loves aviation. I'm one of your hosts on The Dot. I'm Hal Bryan, EAA's Senior Editor for Print and Digital Content and Publications. Uh, joined today by, uh, well, it's another reunion of uh, what I affectionately think of as the original Green Dorks, the three of us. Uh, <laughs> one of you dive in, introduce yourself, since no, nobody's in the same room. We're all broadcasting from an undisclosed location here in Wisconsin. <laughs> I usually am uh, next sitting uh, just off your left. I'm Chris yes. Henry, the uh, one of the other hosts, um, the EA Aviation Museum Programs Coordinator. And across the table, Tom Sharpentier, Government <laughs> Relations Director at EAA. A big virtual table, I might add. <laughs> I, uh, just so you know, I've got uh, R2-D2 sitting next to me on the, the uh, desk where Chris should be, and BB-8 is over where Tom should be. So you guys have good stand-ins. Ah, ah. Good. I'm glad to be represented accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've, uh, we've done movies and TV shows a few times, and uh, somebody, uh, somebody had the, the cool idea that we, ought to, we have to uh, sort of raise our collective uh, IQs just a tad and talk about books. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, guess. <laughs> I guess, you know, before we get into, uh, you know, we all have some personal favorites and we've shared some lists back and forth. But uh, before we get into that, you know, we've got to start with the, uh, the absolute uh, shameless self-promotion. Um, and that is uh, that, uh, you know, we've had a couple of books that, uh, that have been done in-house at EA. You know, the first one was... Uh, Gosh, it was about four years ago, three or four years ago. That was the the best of AirVenture photography. And that's sort of a coffee table book uh, full of cool pictures from AirVenture, as you might uh, might imagine. I worked on that one quite a bit. And uh, it is uh, frequently, let's see if I remember the, the category just right, it is frequently the number one bestseller on Amazon in the uh, modern aviation photography something 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 category so it is uh it is occasionally the only book in that category but that's neither here nor there but anyway it is uh it's one of those things you can still get it uh, from us if you go to ea.org and follow the, the links to shop um although uh i have seen uh i have seen it and i guess i should be we could be proud of this i've seen it marked down pretty cheap on amazon too so you know the year that that came out i i and i still view it as the if you want to get something to bring home to people who who maybe have never been here or have Oshkosh, you know, on their bucket list, to me, that's like the souvenir to get because it's the perfect teaser of, my God, look at some of the stuff you're going to see if you come here. And a lot of it, I mean, has been here and, and very few other places. I mean, it, it uh, I don't mean that to toot our own horn, but I am going to toot away because uh, there's a really cool amount of aircraft they gather in one spot that a lot of times you won't see, you know, in one place, let alone if you have to travel all across the country and, and other places as well. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a project that, uh, so um, my boss, our uh, uh, VP of, of Publications and Marketing and Membership, Jim Busha, is also editor-in-chief of Sport Aviation Magazine. He and I worked on that together, and uh, we worked uh, pretty hard. In fact, we had kind of a, a category in our heads of sort of those only in Oshkosh moments um, that sort of translated some of the Oshkosh firsts that you find in the book. But um, we started, I, our first 
cut at uh, you know a collection of pictures. It was somewhere around two thousand photos, and then we winnowed that wow. down to two hundred and fifty. Um, I wrote a, a narrative tour of the grounds, and then sat down and we wrote uh, you know two hundred and fifty photo captions, um, which. We always joke about that, a little behind-the-scenes trivia. Um, the first 244 were done just one after another, after another, after another, in one sitting. And then uh, we were kind of you know, working up a little bit late, and I was sitting in Jim's office about 8 p.m., and then uh, Jack Pelton walked in, uh, and he helped us uh, with the last six, which took another, I think, three hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because we get each other so distracted and... Uh, and when you're that loopy on a project like that, the bad ideas get really funny. <laughs> I can't imagine what some of those bad ideas were. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we best not talk about them. The, the, the one that I remember, and I think this is fine, that I just got stuck on. In fact, I think it was the very, very last caption in the entire book. And it was just a nice air-to-air photo of a kit fox. I think it was a Model 7. And it's really, really tight and close up in the camera. And all I could come up with, all I could do was... Kit Fox in your kit face. Because it's right up there close. And nobody liked it but me. So I gave up. But uh, but anyway, uh, these kinds of projects are fun to work on. That EA, the, uh, sorry, the photography book was, was published by Quarto Publishing. So we basically put the content together and then they did the layout and everything else. But more recently, Chris, you and I worked on a book together. We did. We did. Um, extremely honored to get to work with you and, and the rest of the team. Uh, to do uh, a book that chronicles the the lives that our B-17 Flying Fortress, the Aluminum Overcast, has gone out on the road and touched. And the, uh, the book is the final mission. And uh, it's basically the stories in their own words or in the words of the family members who told us the stories of their loved one and included as a lot of their original photos and, and then some contemporary photos that we went out and took and beautiful air-to-air. And then, um, I mean... The te- you know the amazing team that went and put uh, interact you know uh, I don't want to say interactive but but there there's places where you can actually uh, hold your phone over and it'll uh, bring to life parts of the aircraft for you and you can go for sort of a virtual ride on the B-17. There's uh, some of the oral history you know program times voices videos in there. It, it's a really neat book. i I'm I'm very proud of it and I'm very proud to have had the chance to work with you guys. Well, I'm. I'm- proud of it and I think our whole organization is proud of it as well because um, now Chris you had been collecting these stories for quite a long time and you know you'd worked them into a, a presentation and then uh, Jack Pelton his wife Rose were attended one of the talks and I think Rose told Jack right after you know you could tell the story better than me but said boy Chris has really got to put those in a book and then Jack mentioned that to uh, to my boss and the next thing you know we're uh, we're down the road <laughs> we're on the hook <laughs> um, yes we're we're making a book but uh one of the things that i love so much about that project was that we did literally everything in-house except the actual printing so brandon jacobs our uh, graphic design manager who does his beautiful layouts in sport aviation and oversees all of our design process um we were so excited to have him work on it and you know his first words were I don't know how to make a book, but you would never know it to look at the finished product. He figured it out. Um, and I've heard more compliments on the cover than, you know, it, because that's the first thing that strikes you when you get it in the mail or if you pick right. it up. And and so many people, um, you know, right away, that stuff's just the first thing that they're like, my God, it, it's just a beautiful looking 
book and that's all credit to him because man that is that is pretty amazing work that's a it's a beautiful photo to start with and then the the treatments to give it a bit of reflectivity and then uh, if you look closely in the clouds you see the faces of veterans uh just sort of ghostly in the clouds and and even everything down to the the weight of the paper on the cover all those things uh you know brandon was choosing although um my uh, my most interesting contribution, aside from from editing and then sort of coming on as a as a co-author for certain pieces of it, was uh, choosing the binding thread. I knew you were going to say you it. You knew I was going to say that. I've never. I didn't even know that was a thing. And I mean, I've got I've got bookshelves in every single room in my house. I'm I'm an absolute book nut. I'm a book nerd. But I never thought about if you hold up a book, you see it. I think more prominently in some older hardcovers. But you pick up a book and then look at from the top down, just at the spine, there's thread there. And we had to pick the weight and color of the threads for that. That was just another part of the process. And we chose this black and gold that I think matches the color of the cover. And nobody will ever see it except everybody now who's listening and says, oh, I want to see this thread. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I just were thinking, this is this is really fascinating. Sitting down there with this, we had this sample board, you know, two feet by two feet with all these different colors of thread on it. And we said, well, we like this, this one and this one put together. I think set it off nicely. And that's all I can see now when I see the book. I always go and look at that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people out there are going to just tear off the cover and tear the pages out and then just display the thread. <laughs> just display the thread. Yeah, it's pretty classy. <laughs> well, I have to say, guys, you know, but uh, it is... you know just about the book um, in general, I've, I've never – I don't think I've ever actually seen um, a book organized in that way um, where basically the, it's it's a breakdown of the aircraft by position. And then you have very, very poignant accounts of veterans who served in each of those positions. It really gives you a really good sense of what a crew was like and kind of how the experience was different for everybody in the crew. And um, I, I really I really love the way that it's laid out in in that way. And, Chris, you know, I, I you know, you and I go back to, uh, you know, our days of uh, of living together um, in a, a couple Couple, uh, yeah, a couple Street. of Oshkosh locales, and uh, I, re I just remember when you were first putting that presentation together, and 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 all the um, all the stories there. It, you know, if you folks haven't heard um, Chris's presentation, we actually do have it archived, uh, at least in one place that I know of. Chris, the uh, you, you did it as a webinar once, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I did. I so did. You a can webinar find that on our uh, on I our uh, website, webinars.ea.org. Definitely watch that. It's really worth your time. But it gives you a good sense of what, of what's in the book and what what Chris and Hal really managed to bring to life. Well, it was a it was a great project, and it's a privilege to get those stories out there because people need to read those stories. You know, setting aside uh, the kidding about the the threads, the meat of it is uh, exactly what it says. It's the people whose lives have been touched uh, by this B seventeen that we are so incredibly fortunate to be able to operate and send out on tour and, and to serve as an ambassador and a, and an, a, a teacher. Uh, and not to linger on this alive. subject. Uh, sorry, so, sorry, Hal, I was just going to say not to linger on this subject for, uh, no, go ahead. for too much longer, but um, you know, uh, you guys also had the tremendous honor of having a friend of EAA and hopefully the show, uh, Frank Borman, write your, uh, write your um, forward, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Frank Borman, Apollo 8, uh, astronaut, uh, uh, wrote uh, the forward as well as Harry Friedman, uh, who uh, is one of the gentlemen who, who helped save the Memphis Bell. So um, I hope uh, if you're a B-17 fan or World War II fan, uh, 
you know, we hope that you go out and check it out or at least consider it. And, uh, and again, and, and as Hal said, uh, um, it's just an honor to get to tell the stories and Hal, it was an honor to, to, to work with you on this. This was, uh, um, it's just really special. So it was really, a uh, a, a big honor to get to do it. Oh, absolutely. It was a privilege for uh, all of us that were involved. Uh, and there was a, there was a real army of people behind the scenes you know, working hard to make it happen. So, all right, well, let's, uh, let's move on. And, uh, and Tom, Chris and I have, have done some of the lion's share of the talking. So why don't you, uh, why don't you dive in and, uh, go to your list and pick one of your favorite aviation books uh, that neither Chris nor I worked on. <laughs> okay. Um, as far as you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going back to my, uh, my notes here that I made before the show. But, um, uh, you know, I think the, the aviation book that probably had the biggest impact on my life um, as far as I just remember having this book as a kid and rereading it and rereading it and rereading it. it really kept my love of aviation alive when um, there was a lot of other competing interests in my life. And also, you know, I didn't necessarily have the ability or means to go after it myself at that time was uh, flight of passage by Rinker Buck. Um, he, uh, so that for those of you who are unfamiliar, that's the story of uh, Rinker and his brother Kern. Um, they're from a large um, New Jersey family, uh, and uh, but, they, but a very large aviation family, and um, they restored a Piper PA-11 uh, over the course of uh, the winter of 1966, uh, and then flew it um, across the country um, for no other reason than because they could. And it, and it became a story that um, you know, kind of captivated the country, made them uh, kind of, uh, um, you know, mildly famous during that year. Um, and the story is just, you know, uh, kind of about that whole experience um, through their eyes. And the, the aircraft that they flew, um, 4971 Hotel, was actually uh, at AirVenture restored um, after a husband and wife team uh, put the airplane back together and then re recreated the flight for themselves. Uh, so it's uh, the airplane is, is still out there. The uh, the story is still out there. And it's just, it was just it's one of those, um, I, I you know, just the way that the story is told and, and kind of the uh, um, the the immersiveness of, at least in my mind, um, that that um, that whole experience uh, was um, was really inspiring to me as a kid. You know, I think all three of us at one point or another had had that on our list of, uh, of ones we'd recommend. Was that on yours too, Chris, or am I misremembering? Absolutely. That is just a neat, uh, a neat story. Yeah. It's, um, it's still out there flying around and, um, and, and yeah, just the story of the, of the restoration on it. You know, the idea of, uh, you know, sitting in an old barn, uh, with, a with a kerosene stove working away at it in the wee hours of the night, you know, getting ready for summer. I, I think that's something that on, on our various projects we've had, we can all kind of relate to and, uh, you can you can easily picture that. that that's just kind of the kind of the general flavor of that of that book. That's uh, that's really really special. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, Chris, how about uh, how about you? A book that uh, a book that you didn't write, but that you actually like. <laughs> uh, well, that's easy because there's only one that I ever uh, was part of writing. So, um, <laughs> so all of the others, all of the other books. Yeah, um, one of my favorites that that, that is is special to me uh is 30 seconds over tokyo um oh, yeah. written by ted lawson um i mean i i have a first edition copy of it uh that uh, my uh, grandparents uh got me i must have been in junior high 
um, because uh, when I started into becoming really an airplane nerd as a kid, um, you know, my family weren't, well, they weren't airplane people, so they, you know, a lot of them didn't really, under, like, they knew I was nuts about airplanes, but didn't know how to engage with me about it. Um, but my grandfather loved old war movies, so he knew 30 Seconds Over Tokyo. Uh, we'd watched that movie, so then he bought me the book. And um, just an amazing, very true uh, telling of the story of going on the Doolittle Raid, um, written by, you know, the pilot of, of the ruptured duck, plane number seven. So um, really neat. I, like I said, it, it, it's it's pretty easy to get. I mean, there's, they've reprinted it a bunch of times, but uh, if you're at all into history, try to find an original uh, first version. You can get them, and uh, it, it's really neat. The spine has a little B-25 silhouette on it, and um, just really, really cool. And I, I eventually actually got to interview Alan Lawson, uh, his, Ted's wife, um, and she was she was pretty funny talking about the production of the movie and things like that. But uh, um, you know, it's one of those things. As a kid, I read that book. Little did I know I'd ever get to come and work, you know, for a place that has a B twenty five and you know organizes do little raider reunions and things like that. It was it's been really a, a, a quite an adventure, and a lot of it started from just reading that book as a kid. It's amazing what an impact uh, you know the right book at the right time can have. And how fun and uh, enjoyable it is, uh, uh, or interesting, or you know whatever emotions you get from it, how powerful it can be to go back to those books time and time again. You know, I was looking at my list, and there's some that I have just read, you know, over and over and over. Um, the one I have to start to give a quick shout out to, and I, I I wanted to stay away from sort of reference books, but I have to make a quick exception. Um, and that is, I've got a call out, uh, there's a guy named Barry Schiff. He usually, uh, he does a lot of writing these days for AOPA or and has over the years. Um, he's one of these guys who's got, uh, log time in more than 300 different types and stuff. Um, and every time I bump into him at an aviation event and that he sits there and patiently listens to me tell him the story again about how much this one book of his meant to me. But he did a book, uh, came out in 1971. I was three years old. My parents bought it brand new and gave it to me, uh, back then when I was just starting to learn to learn to read. So first it was more of the pictures and everything else. And it's just called flying a golden science guide. And this is, uh, this is the one possession in my life. Now this is almost 49 years later, uh, that I have had continuously. It's a little, um, and to this day, even though the book was aimed, it, it was aimed at people older than three, that's for sure. But it was definitely aimed at youth. I can still learn from this book to this very day. Uh, it became a good luck charm for me. It rode in the uh, in my jacket pocket on every check ride I've ever taken, um, and and I still uh, still absolutely cherish it. And they're not that hard to find. In fact, sometimes if you go to Barry Schiff's website, he still has you know a few boxes of first editions, and and uh, he'll sign one. I ended up getting a second one and had him sign the cover so I can display it. But my first one is my that's my baby. Um, so definitely check that one out. Um, now. I have my exception out of the way, switching gears a little bit, looking, uh, looking at my notes. Um, one that, that, uh, it's not so much the book that surprises people, but I think the author sometimes surprises people is a celebrated children's author, primarily children's author named, uh, Roald Dahl. I mean, did things like Matilda, uh, Charlie and the chocolate factory, uh, you know, the big friendly giant, all of these things, uh, that are, you know, beloved by, uh, 
by kids and, and movies and things that have been made from them are, are well-known and well-loved. Um, but prior to all that, he was an RAF fighter pilot. And uh, he did uh, a couple of uh, memoirs from that time. One was Going Solo, the other was Over to You. And Going Solo is one of my absolute all-time favorites. Starts with him learning to fly in the Tiger Moth, which you, know, you two guys know is near and dear to me. And then uh, transitioning into, uh, into uh, I believe, first the Gloucester Gladiators, um, goes on to Hurricanes later, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you imagine somebody with that much talent in creating works of fiction, taking that, uh, that mind and pointing it at uh, these amazing, sometimes scary, sometimes gratifying experiences in learning to be a wartime fighter pilot. Uh, and it is, uh, it is fantastic stuff. That's literally, that sounds like you in a book there, Hal. <laughs> like, well, I was born the, a little bit too late, but. Uh, <laughs> you're certain, that's like your spirit animal book. <laughs> yeah, I think it is my spirit animal book. Yeah, it's funny how you find out um, that, that, you know, particular people who, you know, you've, you, you know from other aspects of life wind up being uh, pilots and, and veterans, particularly of that generation. Uh, another book I had on my list was Wild Blue by Stephen Ambrose, which um, was a yeah, and that was a book about uh, oh, George sure. McGovern, um, who, of course, was the uh, you know uh, senator and presidential candidate. Um, but and but one thing that that hardly ever came up in uh, in any stories about his life um, later on was that he was a, a B twenty four commander during World War II. Um, so Amber is, of course, uh, the writer of uh, Band of Brothers, among many other historical books, um, uh, did a really good job talking about. Um, you know the the service history of this crew and and I, what i think i liked about it was that the the subject that he picked was it it it, it kind of could have been anybody but it was it was a good it was a good illustration of somebody who you know was known in other uh, areas, um, certainly after the war, um, particularly in politics, uh, was sometimes a fairly controversial politician um, but that none of that obviously is wrapped up in the book. It's just this is the story of him and his crew and what they did in, in World War II. None of that other stuff mattered. Um, one thing I, f I found that was really interesting about the uh, the book was just how much physical training um, went into becoming a um, a pilot and how grateful they were for that. Chris, I don't know in, in any of the stories you talked about with vets uh, how much that came up, but but um, McGovern talked about how you know they they were so grateful to this really uh, you know really really hard um, uh, you know sergeant training um, who. Uh, you know, put them through all of this physical in the, uh, you know, when the aircraft got into trouble, they, they relied on that to, uh, to kind of muscle the aircraft around. I know, um, there have <laughs> been a few, uh, that talked about the physical training. I'm not sure they ever said they were grateful for it <laughs> at the time, but, uh, uh, but you know, they would say, you know, just how, uh, demanding it was to keep, you know, a, a B-17 or a B-24, you know, in tight formation for, for hours on end. And, uh, that when they would come back and land, they were just completely emotionally and physically exhausted. And, um, you know, and you're talking about big, you know, these guys were kids basically. I mean, they were like college age. Um, and, uh, Ooh. think about, you know, you're, you're in pretty good shape at that point in your life. So to go through something that's just completely zapping you of your energy is, uh, pretty significant. So yeah, you'd have to be in pretty, pretty peak uh, condition. So uh, let me ask you guys this, and it's a loaded question because I've got, I've got at least two in this category on my list, but uh, any guilty pleasures on either of your <laughs> lists? 
Boy, in movies, right away, I can name a few. Boy, say, you, you know one of them. So. Yeah, don't, don't start pretending you have good taste all of a sudden, Chris Henry. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to pass it to Tom first. Let me, let me think on that. That's a good question. Man, I, I, I don't really know. I, I mean, um, I, I got... Certainly, as far as like long narrative books, I, I don't know that I, I I would say I had a guilty pleasure. I mean, I, I guess you could call some of the Star Wars expanded universe books about you know like X wing pilots as, <laughs> as kind of a, a, a kind of aviation related and kind of a guilty pleasure. Um, those, those were kind of uh, fun growing up reading those, but um, maybe maybe some of the more like um, coffee table books like uh, there, there's a. If you either of you guys have the world's worst aircraft? Oh yes, <laughs> yes. In fact, yes. I went through a phase yeah. where uh, um, people, or I, I think I got six copies of that in one year, and it, it would start the same <laughs> way. Oh my gosh, I saw this book and I couldn't believe it. I thought of you immediately. Here you go. Oh, cool. Thank you. I'll put it on the shelf with the other five. Um, but and and you know that's funny. That's one of those books. So I I read through it and uh, um, I love it from the the sense that. Uh, I'm always, always, always digging uh, for the next sort of weird, obscure, unusual airplane I've never come across. But uh, but then every 10, 15 pages or so, I get really mad at one that's included. That's not a bad airplane. What's wrong with you? Exactly. But, uh, you know, so I get all <laughs> I get all huffy about it. But uh, anyway, well, I'll uh, I'll fall on the uh, fall on the sword here and um, tell you quickly about one or two of my guilty pleasures. Um, and I don't mean that as an insulting sort of way. I just mean, these are not necessarily high literature. These are sort of the, for me, these are the uh, book equivalent of a good popcorn movie. You know, it's not going to change your life in any way, but, but just terrifically fun stories. So the first one, uh, that I, that I have to get out there. And I think I mentioned this on a blog post I did not too long ago, but it's, it's called gray Eagles. by a guy named Dwayne Unkiefer. And I keep, um, I've got a, a you know nice first edition hardcover on the shelf, but I'd love to uh, I'd, I'd love for it to come out as an ebook and and be able to have that convenience of rereading it uh, again. But um, the general premise is uh, you've got uh, an ex Luftwaffe fighter pilot in the gosh, mid seventies, maybe maybe as late as about nineteen eighty or so. He's uh, he's moved to the U.S. after World War II. He's in Arizona and he's made his fortune doing you know one thing or another. He's you know very successful. And, but he misses his days of flying with his Staffel back in World War II. So he, he gets a hold of a, of a Messerschmitt 109 and restores it. And then over time, quietly gets a hold of seven more and builds a whole squadron of Messerschmitts and recruits some of his ex-Luftwaffe buddies to, you know, come and stay at his, his big mansion and start getting checked out in the airplanes and remember how to fly the airplanes. And then the next thing you know, they're wearing uniforms. And then the next thing you know, these airplanes are armed. And uh, <laughs> um, you don't want to give too much of it away, but they, uh, they end up uh, tangling with, uh, with a bunch of guys from, you know, what was in the commemorative or the Confederate Air Force, now the commemorative Air Force. And uh, you've got you've got old enemies reliving dogfights in the, the desert Southwest. And it's, uh, you just, it, it's very much a product of its time. You know, there's a little bit of sort of the, a tiny bit of sort of casual drug use and everything. It's, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's an adults only sort of book at all by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, you know, it might be sort of a light PG kind of a book, but, uh, 
the the writer just has so much fun with it that it just as soon as you sort of uh, check your disbelief at the door, you're just on for this crazy ride. What would that really be like? And in, in, like I said, in about 1980 or so, if eight ME 109 started flying around and you know shooting things up, what would they do? What would happen? So yeah, there was a uh, there was a version of. I'm sorry, I, you know, I'm the bad guy. Keeps taking us back to movies, but this reminds me of like Iron Eagle, like one of the Iron Eagles. Iron Eagle Three. I was about to say premise. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and how you actually gave me a copy of this book? I've got to finish reading it, but you did give me a copy of this. Oh, that's right. I gave you a copy of Iron yeah, Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you need it's a to, cool book. You need to dive into that. But yeah, they. I I think it's it's a good uh, at least a spiritual cousin to uh, uh, to Iron Eagle, uh, Iron Eagle Three. Yeah. In, in many ways, so. Anyway. I have a guilty pleasure book. Okay, good, good. What do you I, got? I did, I did come up with one, and it's Everything But the Flack by Martin Caden. Oh, yes, Martin Caden. Yeah. A great uh, pilot aviation writer, but also happened to write a book called Cyborg. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and tell us what that turned into. <laughs> I, I know the book. What did it turn into? Oh, it turned into a TV show. You're going to hit yourself in the head with this one. It turned into a TV show called The Six Million Dollar Man. That Oh my God! I didn't realize that was the premise for yep. that. Same, uh, same Martin wow. Caden. That's insane. I never knew that. Well, so Martin Caden wrote everything but the flack, and what the the premise of the book is uh, is they were going to produce uh, the movie The War Lover, uh, the B seventeen movie with Steve McQueen, and I think Robert Wagner's in it, and they basically had to get uh, a couple of like surplus B-17s out of a boneyard, get them equipped to look like B-17s again, paint them up to look right, and then actually fly them to Europe. And uh, the book follows the chronicles of that. And why I call it a guilty pleasure is um, he maybe stretched some of the stories. (laughs) And, like, it's kind of well-known. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was... A lot of the Caden books are sort of like that, um, but yet you you go along for the ride. You're you're gonna get the popcorn and go and, and read the book, and uh, it, it's a really fun book. It's a fun read. If you've seen The War Lover, it's kind of a neat behind the scenes uh, look at how they ferried these B-17s over and and got, did the filming. But uh, it, it's pretty cool. You know, it's it's funny. I know I read that ages and ages ago, but uh, I had completely forgotten, or it it didn't. It just wasn't connecting in my head. That uh, that it was tied to the movie The War Lover. The, the War Lover to me has probably the most uh, single most spectacular B seventeen flying scene uh, in just about any movie. Just that low pass. Oh, the buzz job. So, yeah. The buzz job. Yeah. Yes. Oh, but, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it. How much cooler do you get than Steve McQueen flying a B seventeen? Not much cooler. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, three guys doing a podcast. That's pretty yeah, awesome. I mean, we're basically Steve McQueen. That's yeah. <laughs> Let's face it. How did you have another one? I think you had another uh, a book, though, right? Oh, I did, yeah, uh, very quickly. Um, so this guy named uh, Dale Brown, he's probably best known for writing a book about a revamped B-52 called Flight of the Old Dog. Um, and he, he writes in sort of the kind of the pulpy, he's kind of sort of a, a, a pulpier Tom Clancy Um but very a really prolific writer. He was an Air Force uh, navigator, and that's always interesting to me because his the heroes of his stories are always the navigator, you know, sort of the pilot, <laughs> and sort of along for the ride. Um, but he did a book that uh, 
if you think about it too much, and I urge you not to, um, it gets really scary really quickly. It's actually a very terrifying example of, of uh, sort of, you know, misuse of the armed forces and things. But again, pop the popcorn, put your feet up, don't think too much. He did a book called Hammerheads, and it was, uh, it was laying out sort of what, uh, what would happen if uh, sort of Customs and Border Patrol and the Coast Guard were given armed V-22s and the authority to, uh, to shoot down um, drug runners or any wow. other kind of smuggling airplane. So it's, it's hard to believe that, you know, with a, with a, a sort of a shocking premise like that, well, how does, how does this sort of a fun story, but it's, it's, you know, it's cops and robbers, it's good guys and bad guys. Um, and he certainly, you know, addresses the sort of gray area of the whole thing. But again, you, uh, you just, as you said, Chris, you just sort of go along for the ride and it's a, it's a, a big, silly, fun adventure. Hmm. That's awesome. That I gotta read that one. I I think I'm walking away from this episode with an Amazon <laughs> list. <laughs> I, I, no kidding. I think uh, I'm thinking that we all are. <laughs> um, maybe getting uh, getting back away from the the guilty end of the spectrum for just a moment. Um, you know, when I when I thought about what we were going to talk about in this episode, I said, well, I I I want to sort of try to stay away from the ones that everybody knows, but I can't have this discussion without at least a quick mm-hmm. nod to Richard Bach. And uh, A Gift of Wings, the collection of short stories, but also um, uh, Nothing by Chance and Biplane about flying, you know, flying old airplanes in, you know, what were then modern times of the late 60s and early 70s. And, uh, and the one that, that had been my absolute favorite of, of his for years and years and years is, uh, I still consider it an aviation book, although it's more of a personal memoir of a relationship with uh, one of his wives, uh, was The Bridge Across Forever. I, uh, that was the, one of the first books that I, I stayed up all night reading it. And then I started over and I read it like, twice in one sitting. I was, uh, wow. I was that compelled by, uh, by that story. And then, you know, some years, uh, years later through, well, I, nothing happens by chance, right? Nothing by chance, but through <laughs> some happenstance and certain coincidences and things, I've gotten to be, uh, good friends with a couple of Richard sons and some other members of the family. And I've got a very, very different and I a richer uh, insight to to some of these stories, but uh, but that book, boy, meant uh, meant and means the absolute word world to me, as do um, so many of his other stories. Hey, Hal, is that the same? Uh, is that the same thing as like the documentary that we watched? The uh, uh, Nothing by Chance yeah, documentary. Yeah. So yeah, so that was uh, uh, basically he wrote the book Nothing by Chance, which was about. Um, modern day barnstorming. So again, sort of late sixties into the early seventies, could you just get in a biplane and, you know, grab your sleeping bag and, you know, that's basically it. And then just fly through little to little towns in the Midwest, land in a farmer's field and, uh, hang out a sign that says rides for $3, sell rides and get enough to feed yourself and buy gas to go on to the next town. And, uh, you know, back in the twenties, this was how, the world was introduced to aviation, but this was 40, 50 years later. Uh, and what was uh, amazing was how, how sort of routine it got. He was, he got to be really good at it and, uh, and just became, you know, yes, I've proven that this can easily be done. He, and he could have just spent his life just sort of, you know, flying the airplane and, and getting enough to eat. Um, and then uh, after that book came out, they, they, they sort of did another 
tour. He got he got another group of people, and then they filmed it and made the documentary of the same name, uh, narrated by Hugh Downs. And if you don't mind, that gives me actually a good segue because there's a guy who's in that movie, who's a long, long time friend of mine named Glenn Norman. He has a book uh, that you can't find yet, but I want everybody out there who's interested in aviation to keep an eye out for it. Um, I'm not trying to give him free advertising, but it's it's fantastic. I've read a pre-release manuscript. So watch for a title uh, by a guy named Glenn Norman. Uh, the book is called Living on Stolen Time, and it's his memoir of his adventures in aviation. And this is a guy who's flown almost nothing but old airplanes for, gosh, 50, 60 plus years. And uh, uh, he's had something like 21 engine outs with emergency landings in fields, and he's flown, you know, 1920s era biplanes, you know, just coast to coast across the continent, um, worked in a lot of television and films and things, uh, a bunch of great stories. So uh, nobody can read it, uh, can read it yet, but it'll be out there soon. And, and uh, it's not to be missed. Well, how you were talking about, um, you know, you kind of wanted to stay away from the, uh, from, from the more well-known stuff uh, the more, more well-known books but I, I actually kind of wanted to flip that around um and wanted to ask you guys you know what do you consider to be required reading oh. if uh, let's say you know you're 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 newer to aviation or maybe you know you haven't read a, a good book in a while and you want to um you know kind of round out your list uh, i'll go first i got two um the first is fate is the hunter uh by um by ernest Gant. yes um and Gann is an interesting one because he was a very educated, a you know, Yale Yale graduate, Broadway critic, before he just randomly decided to become an airline pilot. And uh, so, so he he has kind of this, uh, you know, a, a really good uh, literary skill that he brings to the to the narrative of uh, you know, kind of um, the heady days of early airline travel. Um, and also, uh, if you've ever been to our museum, we have the chicken coop that uh, Ernest Gann wrote most of his stuff in. Uh, we, we have a huge amount of his collection. Um, and yeah, then the that other is one, a hallowed yeah, ground sorry. at our museum, definitely. Sorry, yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he was quite the person. He was a, he was a real, uh, real adventurer, um, you know, wrote a lot of other um, stuff, did some sailing too. And of course, um, you know, part of it's covered in the, in the book, uh, Flew During the War. Um, the other one I, I, I think is, is kind of required reading is the right stuff. Um, now a lot of us, pretty much all of us have seen the movie. Um, but the book is really worth reading too. Um, and it's another one of those kind of, uh, an interesting literary take on aviation because of course, Tom Wolfe was, uh, uh, you know, a, a famed writer doing a lot of kind of interesting journalism be, before he decided to turn his attention to the Mercury seven. Uh, and it, that really kind of shows through its, through the book. It's a, it's a very, uh, uh, it also shows through the movie too. It's kind of an, a, a um, artistic take on, uh, on that particular time in history. That's uh, that, that, that's an, uh, definitely an interesting uh, read. It makes for a very interesting movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> my, I guess my uh, one of my go-to's that would be required reading, especially if you're in World War II uh, aviation and and in the B-17, uh, there was and there was a book called Serenade to the Big Bird, and it's written by Bert Stiles, who actually flew 35 missions in a B-17. Um, it's not a very long book, um, but I mean. I'm a big fan of. There's nobody better to get the the history from than 
someone who was actually there and this guy was in the cockpit of one for 35 missions and uh it's a really neat book and b17 uh uh, nuts sort of collect this book it's getting a little hard to find but i think you can still get it on on amazon and i think they just maybe reprinted it not long ago but uh, uh yeah, that's I've certainly got a one of really my tired old paperback version of that but it's you know it's a it's neat book though isn't library it library forever and um well that's a that was a great question tom and i i i second and third uh what you guys have said so far and certainly i would put I would put some of the Richard Bach books I mentioned in there, um, you know, just about anything by Ernie Gann, but boy, if you're going to start with one, Fate is the Hunter is certainly a great place to start. Um, I would throw, uh, uh, probably throw West with the Night in there, with Beryl Markham, about, uh, about flying in, uh, flying in Africa uh, around uh, in the 20s and 30s. Um, and, uh, um, probably, and at least one thing by, uh, St. Exupery, uh, probably Airman's Odyssey, uh, or maybe Night Flight would be, it would be something else. And that's, that's certainly more sort of the romantic side of flying, uh, for nuts and bolts flying, maybe not the categories we're really talking about here on this, this episode, but, uh, Stick and Rudder, mm. Wolfgang Longovisha. Oh, is, that's, that's a classic. Is a is a must read for anybody learning to fly or who wants to understand flying better. Yeah. You know, I, I got to tell a story when we, we talk about picking out books and I, I hope it's okay. And if, if it turns out it's not, we can always edit it. It's the beauty, beauty of, uh, <laughs> of doing a podcast. And we're back folks. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what you missed just there. But, uh, you know, I, I, I was escorting, uh, uh, Frank Borman one time and he goes, Hey, I got to go to the bookstore in your museum. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, I want to buy a couple books. And in the back of my head, I'm like, here's one of America's, like, you know, founding astronauts, you know, certainly uh, one of them. And what books is he going to pick up off of the gift shop, you know, uh, rack here? And the two that he walked away with were uh, Jimmy Doolittle's autobiography and Forever Flying from Bob Hoover. And I remember I asked him, I said, boy, that, you know, those are two good picks there. And he held Doolittle's up, and he just said, uh, he was always my hero. And he held Hoover's up, and he just said, hands down, the best pilot ever, period. And I just thought that was so cool to hear from, like, you know, someone like that, that it was kind of neat, kind of interesting to observe which books he was going to pick up. Well, and that's, that's, always, uh, that's always cool to see somebody who's, who's qualified <laughs> to offer yeah. that opinion. <laughs> Because I can say it all day. Oh, yeah, Bob Hoover, best pilot in the world. It's, well, okay, I'm the, you know, 447,000th and 84th, you know, most (laughs) mediocre pilot out there. But darn it, uh, listen to my opinion. But somebody like Borman comes along. And, and yeah, no question, uh, no question about it. Anything, any chance you get to learn about Bob Hoover and his his extraordinary uh, careers. uh, Just always just absolutely, absolutely fascinating stuff. You know, Hal, um, I, I just wanted to, to, to tag on to what you were saying about um, the, kind of the romantic side of flying that particularly is expressed through like Gan and Sanex and stuff like that um, is that to me that that's some of my favorite literature about about aviation. And I think that was something I was trying to put my finger on when I was talking about Flight of Passage before is the you know when you read either about the early days of aviation when it really was kind of like the edge of the map here here there be dragons 
uh, you know, kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of days. But then that was that was really what always got me about Flight of Passage was that you were kind of you, you were you were viewing that long cross country that, you know, now as a pilot, I've done several. We've all done several. And, you know, it's it, it's a little bit more of a of a um, achievable, you know, kind of routine thing. But when you see that through the eyes of a teenager, um, that 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 I think was what ca- caught me so much by that book and what 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 captivates me so much about those early early accounts of aviation is is really just kind of the the um the frontier spirit of um of of what flying still can be you know in many ways but um that that that's one thing i always enjoy about it about aviation books of that type well at the, at the risk of getting too philosophical something i've always said about <laughs> flying is that it's one of the few a uh, few sort of activities I can be involved in that really appeals to both sides of my brain. You know, the left, uh, the left brain, the, the rational engineering side of things uh, wants to fly precisely and is very interested in the systems and how things work. And then the, the right brain just wants to, wants to just take in all the beauty of it and, you know, and marvel at uh, what we are, what we are able to do. And, you know, several of the, uh, several of the books you've mentioned, these, uh, the author's, do a remarkable job in capturing that. Um, and it's, uh, I think what you're talking about, Tom, to me speaks more to the, uh, more to the why than the how. And I think the, the why is vital. I think the why is why we all get started. And then we, then we start getting interested in and delving into the nuts and bolts of the how, but, but maybe everybody approaches that, uh, approaches that a little differently. Yeah, d- yeah, definitely. I, I think, um, I think that's that, that's that's fair. Although I I've definitely met pilots who um, who got into aviation just because it was you know it was a challenge you know it was uh, operating the machine oh, you sure. know um, but but yeah I've always been more of uh, more drawn to it on the romantic side and I guess that's what appeals to me about some of the books I've I've mentioned. Um, so where do we leave off? I guess uh, <laughs> I was just going to say we're talking sort of required uh, required reading. Um, I would throw uh, a lot of people will tell you. Um, you know, only read one and, and people have their, their arguments about which one is better, but I recommend both, uh, we and the spirit of St. Louis by Charles Lindbergh Mm. uh, to understand, uh, understand the backdrop of his flight. Um, you know, one was written sort of almost immediately after the flight and was, people say it's kind of a cash in and the other one came a bit later with, was more thoughtful and more introspective, but, uh, I think they're both, uh, they're both terrific, important reads. You know, it's so funny you mention that. My neighbor, like, just came across the street maybe about a month ago, you know, when we were still allowed to do that, <laughs> and uh, was like, um, hey, I found this, thought you might want it, uh, and it was, a, it was like a first edition of Wii. Oh, wow. And it's really neat. Like, just the book itself is really cool. Um, and he, he found it in, like, a piece of furniture that he bought somewhere. And it was just like, oh, I know you're an airplane guy. Here you go. And uh, so I, I'm like, well, that's, this is like, I don't know if I want to read it or display it. <laughs> you know, it's really cool. Oh, that's very cool. That's a that's a good neighbor to have. Yeah. You know, I hope, I hope uh, as we record this in the, the middle of the, the great uh, 2020 pandemic, I hope, uh, <laughs> as you said, once it's legal again, I hope you march over there and find something that they like. I, exactly, I will. <laughs> That's your mission. It is. It will probably be be uh, something like beer, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever uh, whatever their currency of uh, of choice turns out to be. <laughs> yeah. 
So well, I'm looking at my notes and saying, okay, well, we've uh, I've talked about uh, maybe a third of them, but then I'm looking at the clock and realizing uh, this time has absolutely, uh, absolutely just cruised right on by. So we should think about uh, think about wrapping this up. Any any last minute uh, titles either you guys need to throw out there before we call it a day? I think we need to save them for part two. <laughs> there you go. That's uh, I, I think that would be volume uh, two. Uh, yes, at that sorry. point. So. <laughs> But uh, who knows? So, all right. Well, <clears throat> guys, this has been uh, this has been fun as always. It's always uh, it's always a kick when, uh, as I said at the beginning, the original three green dorks get together and <laughs> and uh, and talk about things. Um, thanks so much, uh, as always, to everybody out there who's uh, listening and who takes the time to uh, to give us feedback. Uh, we've got some uh, a few great uh, new reviews on iTunes. So, thank you to Andy two four seven seven four. Uh, Dave's 112 and I'm sorry I'm trying to read my own handwriting here and it's terrible I should have been a doctor uh, and then somebody named Embleboy all of uh, all of whom left us uh, very very nice very supportive reviews on iTunes that means the world to us so keep those reviews coming whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher or uh, wherever you consume your podcast you can also comment on these posts when they go out on our blog at inspired.ea.org and you can always email uh, email EA directly at uh, feedback at ea.org and let us know what uh, what you think of the show um, thanks uh, uh, to our man behind the scenes uh, producer Ty for getting this all set up so we can do this uh, remotely in this world of quarantines and social distancing. Thanks again to all of you for listening. Keep the good feedback coming and we'll look forward to catching up to you next time when you're cleared to land on the green dot. <laughs>